0: Yeah, it's like I perforated my eardrum when I was seventeen playing a, a glove slap fight, mm. and it was with. Really like,
1: we call it boxing.
0: No, no, it's with you're holding a glove, a leather glove.
1: All right, so you were challenging someone like a to driving,
0: a duel. It's like that, mm. and it, it it was me and this little lad, and we got into like a rhythm.
1: Right, I'm slapping each other in the face. Yeah, because so, you've got to do something when well, you're a um, teenager. Isn't it?
0: Right. And he hit me in a way where it, it just created like an air pocket and then just perforated my eardrum in like really quick action. So it just blasted all this air right. directly into my ear, popped it.
1: I take it he won the glove slap fight then?
0: I think, yeah, we called it, it.
1: We called it at that point. <laughs> <called it> that. <laughs> when blood started dribbling out of your ear. It was horrible.
0: And I got in the bath that evening and water got past my eardrum and it was like the most pain (laughs) up to that point in my life (laughs) and now even every time I go swimming I can't dive too far anymore because it's too painful
1: oh god hey up I'm Joe Heathcote and this is Consistently Eccentric a podcast where I will attempt to teach a friend of mine a lesson from British history focusing specifically on the lesser known and less believable people and events that the history books tend to leave out so let's get started with So. Yeah. This particular story is mainly set in the Georgian era, but it doesn't start then. It starts in the way, way back times, in the long, long ago. So far back that there isn't an era. It's just a long time ago. So, smallpox. Oh, no. No, no, no. Smallpox is not your three words, is it? Because you need three words. We all need three words. Your three words for this particular episode are milkmaids. Mm Mm-hmm. Scars and Aboriginals.
0: Māori, Aboriginal and
1: <laughs> the people native to Australia. Yeah, I think I think I actually name the particular um, Aborigines.
0: Group. Is that what they refer to them themselves as?
1: I think they refer to themselves by their individual sort of group names, right? So the tribes. Yeah, essentially okay. it was a tribal culture. But we, we get into it. Don't worry.
0: Native Australians.
1: Native Australians. The people who were terribly terribly abused by the uh, let's say what it was invading English
0: well at least that was the only time it ever happened
1: it was we learnt our lesson so
0: we didn't do that to anybody else
1: smallpox has been ravaging human populations since at least 1156 BCE so that's before common era right because we're trying to take it back from. it's not
0: before Christ
1: well it was but uh, I think in order to try and encourage people to use it uh, they've changed it to BCE right okay what's ad something domini it's latin cool okay let's move on yep neither of us did latin we we were not uh, products of the public school system no, this might be obvious
0: i'm a terrible dancer
1: <laughs> matt would be able to tell you what it was good dancer uh, no matt is not a good dancer so uh with the telt- matty
0: loose hips <laughs>
1: Uh, We know this because of the telltale scarring that's been seen on the mummy of Ramesses V. But it is believed um, that smallpox could have developed as a disease as early as 10,000 years BCE. So we're looking over 12,000 years ago. Now, the disease did the rounds through Asia and North Africa before it finally made its way into Western Europe in about the 11th century. uh, It came with the returning crusaders.
0: Right.
1: So that... um, the Bring Crusades, brilliant. <laughs> uh, but by the mid-18th century, variolation, variolation, right, uh, had been introduced. So variolation... Could you use
0: it in a sentence?
1: I will. Variolation was the introduction of live smallpox virus to healthy people in a small dose. So it's um, it's managing the amount of exposure you get. Uh, variolation had a death rate of between 05 and 2%. This is where
0: you, you you cut the skin and introduce
1: small live smallpox. Yeah, from yeah. So it had a death rate of between 0.5 and 2 percent. But when you compare that to a death rate of 30 percent, that was the average for a smallpox outbreak.
0: So what's a small? How how that ravaged the body? What does it look like?
1: It looks like loads of small pock marks. Yeah, but it's not. That's
0: not how it kills
1: you. Look, I'm not a virologist. I, I don't know about these things.
0: Excuses, you didn't do your research.
1: I did a lot. Of, there's you a lot of research. You listened to BBC Four
0: as I did.
1: <laughs> there's a lot of research in this, so it's taken the death rate down. I mean, you've still, by agreeing to this procedure, you've got a two in hundred chance, a one in fifty chance that you're gonna die. But compare that to a nearly one in three chance. Most people it's worth thought, it. it's, yeah, it's thought it's worth it. Uh, it was great great steps forward but that was only for societies who were used to dealing with smallpox so in April to May 1789 the first fleet to Australia conspired to give the local aboriginals the gift of smallpox
0: you said this was the fun one
1: Uh, yeah well it's got a happier ending due to them having absolutely no immunity to the disease because as you know they were isolated far far away from most other populations for thousands of years um, it managed to devastate the local population, killing nearly 70% of those who caught it, which is more than double the, the average sort of death rate of the Europeans. Uh, this pretty much cleared the area around Sydney of the Kadjigal tribe, uh, as those who didn't die fled yeah. quite smartly. Um, but it meant that pretty much from the moment that the British fleet landed, that area around Sydney Harbour. Suddenly, the the local population didn't want to go anywhere near those disease-spreading vermin that were the British. Uh, We'd done similar to the Native Americans. With blankets. Yes. It was a deliberate act conceived by Sir Geoffrey Amherst during the French-Indian War, 1754 to 1767, when he deliberately gifted the locals with smallpox uh, infected blankets. So, Sir Geoffrey Amherst is a bastard <laughs> who sadly died peacefully at home but not before he followed up on Native American genocide by ordering the army to fire... And he said
0: it. sadly died peacefully. You yeah. mean it is...
1: I'm, I'm sad that he died peacefully. Yes, it's exactly. yeah. No, it's not sad that he died. I'm very glad he's dead because he followed up on his American genocide by ordering the army to fire at civilians in 1780 during the Gordon Riots. 250 unarmed civilians were killed in London as a result. But you could, trying to make it better for him.
0: Where's the silver lining, Joe?
1: We're, we're nearly there. Oh, and it, there's a little bit more. Um, you could argue that. You're he, taking me
0: one way. Just to, yeah, so it's even better when we go. Happy. He was just
1: a student of history, as the century before that, smallpox had been a key ally supporting the Spanish invasion of South America. Key <laughs> ally. Yeah, well, it was. You know, it really helps to subdue a, a native population if you happen to bring over a disease that is just going to wipe them out.
0: So, how do you pl- how do you plan that?
1: I don't think with the Spanish the it, invasion it was planned. But okay, so learning conspiring, from what happened... when they were
0: conspiring to give it to the aborigines.
1: Yeah, well, no, the only ones that it was a deliberate act were um, the Native Americans.
0: So you take who volunteers to give the blankets? Mm. Is it got to be someone who's who's had it and survived it?
1: Well, yeah. There was basically there was an outbreak. And got a
0: few friends that are a bit.
1: There sick. was an outbreak of smallpox amongst the British camp, and Sir Jeffrey thought, "Well, if we give it to them, they'll all get smallpox, and because we've now got over that infection, we'll be in a stronger position."
0: No, I understand. I understand that. Just... He
1: ordered some of his soldiers who'd recovered to take them across okay. and give them. Um, of course, the Native Americans gave a gift back in return and they gave syphilis to Europe, which at that point there was no cure for and it would slowly drive people mad. So, you know, it, it goes both ways.
0: <laughs> Did it just ravage your brain? Is that what happens? Yeah. You, you start you, getting holes in your brain?
1: Well, you start getting holes in your face with syphilis. Bits oh. of you dropped off oh and gosh. you went mad. It was not a pleasant disease.
0: I think that you just went mad from losing bits of your face.
1: And bits of your brain. Oh, uh, yeah.
0: just fall out of your nose.
1: Well, you didn't have a nose at that point, so bits bits of your brain fell out of the hole that used to be your nose. <laughs> lovely, lovely times, yeah. So, while the smallpox virus was ravaging... This the...
0: podcast makes me so grateful.
1: <laughs> well, more than, more than
0: anything, just these stories as you tell mm. me them.
1: Because
0: mm. they're all... Even the nice ones, this is... Out of the two we're recording today. This,
1: this was, is this, this is the nice you said, one. I Do you want the good is... one or the bad one? You've you've cut me off just as I was about to tell you a nice bit of it because we got we got past the intro around smallpox. You just need the context of of what it was doing at the time. So while it was ravaging the native population of Australia, a young parish doctor called Edward Jenner was studying cuckoos in Berkeley and Gloucester. I can't
0: tie it together, Joe. He was, he
1: was studying cuckoos? That's I just wanted to give you. We don't talk about him again. It's just just like you'd, you'd like to know that there was some good in the world. Uh, Edward was the first person to discover. Oh, good, you know that it was the newly hatched cuckoo you are <laughs> who dumped the rival chicks out of the nest. Previous to this scientific breakthrough, common opinion had held that it was the parent cuckoos who had done this. So, when baby cuckoos are born, they actually have a, an indent in their back that they can use to flick the other eggs out right? and and then they obviously get fed by the, the host birds so he did, he found that out that's a massive scientific breakthrough good for him, yeah,
0: okay back to syphilis
1: no, no, we're sticking with Edward for a bit because he celebrated the publication of his findings by in, bu- indulging
0: in an orgy, were you? no, oh.
1: the, the up and coming extreme sport of the time, orgies <laughs> ballooning okay, yeah he, was, he went I'm ball- interested he went ballooning with friends so I, I, I believe they had several balloons and they were all sort of flying close to each other like, so, a, so like anyway a biker gang in the air dressed in finery I should imagine yeah
0: so that's saying never overfill your baskets
1: well his balloon started to lose altitude uh, in Kingscote Park and it was there
0: because he had a water balloon well
1: it was there after, <laughs> after crash landing in Kingscote Park that he met his wife, Catherine Kingscote. So it's fair to say that he was on a bit of a roll, because generally when you crash, you're, if thing, you're
0: ballooning, yeah, you're, you're living the best life you can. But
1: generally when you crash a vehicle, it doesn't lead to you meeting Is it a your vehicle? wife. It transported him to Kingscote Park, where he met the lovely Catherine Kingscote, who became his lo- his wife. Yeah, it was his wife. Can
0: you can you you can't choose a direction with a hot air balloon. It's just up and down. Yeah. They're your choices. Yes. And that's why I think it's not a vehicle.
1: <laughs> <'Cause> you, <laughs> well, those are two. You can change the direction if you go up or you can go down. And I'm guessing that air currents go in different directions at different heights. So it's like about hell. understanding where you need to be to go in the right direction. Like condors do when they go up on um, hot air.
0: I think I th- you're probably right.
1: I'm not a balloonist. I think we need we need to ask a balloonist.
0: Should we, right, should we pause it here and get the expert in?
1: If you can find one in Lancaster at this time of night. Scanning
0: yes. the room.
1: There's no one here. <laughs> There's a cat. No. So, in 1892, Jenner received his medical doctorate from St. Andrew's University in Scotland. So he wasn't just into animals. Yeah. He also liked to learn a bit about the human body. It was in part for his work describing the process of angina. And he described this discovery succinctly as how much the heart must suffer from the coronary arteries not being able to perform their functions.
0: Oh. It's give the heart a personality.
1: Yeah, it's, it's true, but it seems it took the medical profession a while to make this link, as the theory of blood flow had been described over 150 years before in 1628 by a doctor called William Harvey so we'd known that blood flowed around the body for over 150 years and it took till that time for someone to go do you know if it can't flow very well around the heart that's probably going to have an effect on your health
0: yeah
1: mm. although actually
0: standing on the shoulders of giants uh,
1: a similar description of blood flow had been uh, proposed nearly 100 years earlier still by a Spanish doctor called Michael Servetus. unfortunately he was a bit too far ahead of his time uh, and after he made his announcement about how blood flowed around the body he was burnt at the stake for heresy fucking hell Yeah. So.
0: what did they think
1: it- I, I have no idea how they got from uh, how's that heresy Well, I, who knows so this this was 15 something in Spain he said I think I can better describe how your body works and maybe we can use this to help people live longer happier lives and they burned him at the stake
0: yeah but,
1: you know do you need logic for these kinds of decisions I think if at some point in history just people just got really he, into he? burning people at the stake I and think they just chance. burn him for
0: his confidence
1: <laughs> no 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 guys listen to me mm. no <laughs> Michael's getting a bit big for his boots
0: start the fire
1: <laughs> we should wait till he's finished Oh God, poor old Michael. We shouldn't laugh about someone being burned at the stake because that was back in the days where they didn't have the common decency to garrote you beforehand. <laughs> uh, anyway, back to Jenner. After he got his medical doctorate, he returned to Berkeley and carried on as a local parish doctor for four years. So he was quite happy. Life of a local little parish doctor, dealing with all the little parish things. Gout, Yeah, a bit of gout. You know, colds, flus, sniffles, that kind of thing. Sepsis. Well... You see, the thing about the Cotswold is it encourages a slower pace of life than some of the hetero- hectic metropolitan centres. That
0: is the thing about the Cotswold.
1: Yeah, it's nice and you've got time to smell the roses in the Cotswolds. Uh, and Edward Jenner found himself spending more and more time watching the local milking maids.
0: Just doing a thing.
1: Yeah, just milking, milking those cows. But
0: it's going to be an epith- epiphany moment.
1: Yeah, he it, it wasn't being lecherous. No, he, he was wasn't. too pure for that. He was the son of a parson. It was all business. So, people have been aware that milkmaids have been more resilient to smallpox for quite a long time in 1768 a doctor called John Fuster a friend of Jenner had realised that people who had previously had cowpox a similar but non-lethal disease appear to be immune during future smallpox outbreaks ah. mm-hmm. and Jenner he thought about this while watching his milkmaids milking, milking away yeah. yeah first one cow then the next cow I'm not
0: rising to it Joe
1: then the next cow do
0: you want to make a working masturbation, all you, you go there, but I'm going to leave. I
1: wasn't. I was just talking about, he's watching these hard-working milkmaids. Well, he, the
0: hand actions were different. <laughs> <laughs> he,
1: that's how you milk a cow. He had a... a <laughs> he had a You're revelation. definitely
0: not milks a cow.
1: Okay. Well, he was watching the milk a cow, however that is done, and he had a revelation. It's sort of like you squeeze the... The teat, yes. And you push it down. Yeah. You, you encourage the flow. Um,
0: you know how you'd, you'd like encourage... The last bit of toothpaste out of the thing.
1: Out of a tube? Yes, yeah, kind of like that. Okay. Well, he had his revelation at that point. And he thought...
0: I have no idea how to milk a cow, by the way.
1: He thought, I think I can sort out the entire problem of smallpox, the world over. All he needed was a test subject.
0: Not going crew.
1: No, he just needed a test subject which he couldn't get, but what he did have was a very poor gardener who worked for him who had an eight-year-old son. So that's okay. So Edward Jenner <laughs> took innocent eight-year-old James Phipps and introduced him to a lovely milkmaid by the name of Sarah Neems. Phipps and Neems. Yeah. Sarah had recently caught cowpox from a cow called Blossom and had some pus-filled blisters developing on her arm. How is that detail stood the
0: test of time? That we well, know what the cow's called.
1: We'll get to it, but there is a reason that I know that the cow called Blossom. So she had some lovely pustules on her arm. Yep. And Edward saw his opportunity to test his theory. So Edward Jenner he scraped some of that lovely pus from Sarah consensually. And, yeah, and he introduced it to James
0: consensually. Pff, uh, not really.
1: you, you're not really at the age where you can consent to treatment when you're eight. Medically yeah, eight speaking back
0: then you you'd already had a job for five years.
1: Ah, True enough. Well, whether James consented to it or not, he cut him on both arms and rubbed that pus right on in there.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, he did. James was fine for a week. He was fined? He was no, James was fine for a week. How much? <laughs> he was he was well. He remained well for a week. Then on day seven he complained of some pain in his armpits. By day nine he had a headache, chills, and he lost his appetite. And that night, he was described as being restless. And then, <laughs> the next morning, when they went to check on him, he was absolutely fine. Oh, uh, Edward waited six weeks, gave gave him time to recover. That was the time you had to wait. Yeah, he he just he he. Everyone de- knew. He decided on six weeks. I don't. That's think fine was, for now. Yeah,
0: but wait six weeks.
1: Yeah. No. Then he grabbed James again, slashed his arm open, and rubbed some smallpox right. I'm upon sure, him he there. had
0: to be privy to what was happening.
1: Well, whether he was or not, whether no, he was
0: a crusading little child,
1: whether whether he the knew child how this was. I I like to think that he thought it was over at that point. It's like, well, he's done that to me, but I'm okay. And then six weeks later, Doctor, you know, Doctor Jenner turns up again. Hello. <laughs> slashes his arm, oh, rubs some different hell. some different puss into Why his are arm. Why so poor? But that's live smallpox that he's rubbed into this kid's arms, right? Yeah. James didn't get sick. But Edward wanted to make extra sure. So he introduced smallpox material to James again. And again. And over 20 times before he began to trust that he had in fact proved you can inoculate against smallpox without having to involve a cow.
0: What did he get out of this, James?
1: What, little James? Yeah. He, well, he doesn't do badly out of it, let's put it that way. Um that being said that you don't i will
0: not elaborate (laughs) you
1: you no longer need a cow uh you can still if you would like go and see blossoms horns on display in the edward jenner museum that is located in a little cottage in berkeley it is the cottage that edward gave to james phipps to make up for the many many where is berkeley it's in Gloucester. okay but he gave it to james phipps to sort of as an apology for the many, many non-consensual procedures. Well, he gave him the cow? No, he gave him the, the cottage. <laughs> right, okay. He that's gave that's him different. a cottage to live in. <laughs> oh, good for him. Mm. And actually, that you know, James Phipps turned up to Edward's funeral when he died. Uh, so they remained on cordial terms after this.
0: See, I knew it was all
1: consensual. Yeah. Edward tested his theory on another 23 people before he published the results.
0: They all survive?
1: Yep. So he's he was thorough. So that's 24 people he's done this to every single one of them survived Um, uh, he had proven beyond a doubt really that you could successfully protect against smallpox by introducing cowpox from another human Uh, and to put his money where his mouth is he'd included his 11 month old son Robert as one of the test subjects so he was damn sure that this worked on a baby Yeah, but on his own baby he was so sure that he'd found a cure for smallpox that he was willing to introduce live smallpox to his own 11 month old son I suppose he had to do it to his own child. He called the process vaccination from the Latin word vacca, which means cow. Uh So when people tell you they're anti-vax in the future, you can ask them with a straight face what they have against cows.
0: I will not do that. Oh, sorry, Jim.
1: I will. And then I'll look all snooty and better than you. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's the kind of person I am. With the results of his studies, Edward Jenner headed for London to seek out volunteers for his new vaccination procedure, promising one 100- hundred. Yeah, but he was promising one hundred percent protection against smallpox at the cost of just a small nick in the skin and a few days of feeling slightly under the weather. After three months, he was still waiting for anyone to volunteer, uh, so he decided to go on a different tack. And he sent samples of cowpox to all the medical associates that he built up over the years, anyone he could think of, urging them to test the theory for themselves. So it's, I don't, I don't care.
0: How many of you die?
1: <laughs> well, no, I don't care if I get the credit for this. Please get it out there. It's Try it. Make sure that everybody who can know about this knows about it. Um, and va- yeah, vaccination started to slowly spread, spread through the country. And when an associate of Jenner sent a sample across the Atlantic to a Harvard doctor called Benjamin Waterhouse, he was so impressed he convinced Thomas Jefferson to start an immunization program. And was named the first head of the National Vaccine Institute in America. Your guy's going mental. <laughs> Hello.
0: <What>? Yeah uh,
1: <laughs> As she does have a wild half hour every now and then. I've never seen a move. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've never been here late enough. What's So Jenna himself, he was receiving honours left and right. Now that it had taken off, people were uh, giving him honorary memberships to various medical institutes and everything. Uh, but he wasn't making any money out of the vaccination, uh, mainly due to the fact that he was spending quite a lot of his time in a one-room shed that he constructed in his back garden. He didn't
0: need the money. Yeah. Uh, or does he, does he want money?
1: Well, the reason he constructed the shed is so he'd have a place to vaccinate all the local poor people for free. He called his shed the Temple of Vakina, or the Temple of Cowpox, if you don't want to use the Latin. Uh, and this left him very little time to attend to his private practice. So he was the village doctor, but he stopped he's doctoring a, he's, he's in order a to, purpose, yeah, to it? It do this. Need. Well, he was in danger of becoming penniless, and he had a wife and kid. So not not the best situation to be in. You know? mm. At some point, he is going to have to get back to it. Or does he? No, he's going to die. No, no, it's it's a it's a feel good story because in 1802, He's still alive. In 1802, Parliament agreed. So the members of Parliament agreed that they would pay Dr. Jenner ten thousand pounds for his contribution to public health. Yeah, which is quite nice. That's a good chunk. And what then, a, what a wedge! Five years later, they decided to add a further twenty thousand pounds to that. So. These sums ensured that Jenna and his family could live comfortably rest of their lives. Fantastic. I know. Feel good story. Promised you one.
0: I'm not even going to ask what the twist is. Uh, so when was smallpox eradicated? 1980... What year was it?
1: We'll get to that.
0: Oh, is there more? There's more. I thought I that was the end.
1: You know when I said happy? <laughs> <laughs> there is a twist. Jenna wasn't fated to have a happy retirement three years after he'd been given the 20 grand uh, his eldest son died of oh let me guess no
0: really chlamydia
1: no i like i like the guess tuberculosis oh, yeah. which he hadn't found a cure for uh one of his sisters died the same year and then his other sister two years later in 1812 then three years later his wife died again from tuberculosis Jenner withdrew from public life and continued to work in his local village practice alone for another seven years before he suffered a massive stroke. Um, that's how it was described in the... In the um, uh, the what comic I was, book I was reading. Well, in, in, in the research paper that I was reading. It wasn't a research paper, it was Wikipedia. But it was described as a massive stroke and he died on January the 26th, 1823. In 1840, variolation was made illegal in Britain and vaccination became standard practice for a range of diseases because people had taken that idea and had extrapolated it to other conditions and found that it, it still worked. Um, it was also later discovered that vaccination for smallpox wasn't lifelong and that you had to re-administer for intervals. So right. you had to regularly up, you know, update your cowpox in order to get your, your immunity there, which must have been a bummer for the person who found out first. Oh, Blossom. Now you know the first guy's like don't worry i've had the vaccination i'm fine and then it's, oh god
0: that's what i feel about with the coronavirus was <laughs> like
1: i've already I'm had immune it immune for life
0: <laughs> 3 months that's all i get
1: is that is that the standard at the moment but apparently that's ah.
0: that's where we are at the moment
1: so this meant that regular outbreaks of smallpox were still happening well into the 20th century, with an outbreak in Bradford as late as 1962, leading to the deaths of 6 to 12 people. They weren't sure how many were directly smallpox. But...
0: Was it a dozen or a half a dozen?
1: It was somewhere between the two. Yeah. It could have been an absolute disaster, because the first identified carrier of this outbreak just so happened to be the cook in the local children's hospital... <laughs> So, if you imagine if it hadn't been caught early, and I read the notes from the doctor because he wrote a paper on it, who caught it, and just how lucky we were that that man happened to be working at that hospital and identified it as smallpox. Because if he hadn't have done that and started isolating people. So how is it
0: spread? Through the pustules?
1: Yeah. So
0: that's through contact? Like, yeah. But
1: the, the idea that you would have somebody who's actively and, and got the smallpox.
0: Posture, you've got to have some sort of.
1: Will be bursting on your skin.
0: Yeah, and you you have a little cut on your skin or something. Yeah, yeah, and well, something yeah,
1: goes yeah. in. But you can imagine if there's a cook all the things that he's touching. <laughs> yeah, of course. Going around a children's hospital with already immunocompromised this kids. Is
0: before the time of gloves. <laughs> this is when chefs would like <laughs> have a little taste, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, yeah, health and safety at the workplace hadn't necessarily become a thing. So, in nineteen sixty seven though, only five years later. Summer of love. Yeah, the World Health Organization declared a global campaign to eradicate smallpox. So it's the summer of love, but not where smallpox was concerned. It was an outright war. Oh, yeah. It was the summer of war <laughs> on smallpox. Ten years later, in 1977, it was declared that the disease had been wiped from the face of the earth. Except? In the wild. Yes. Yes. I,
0: uh, Jan- I still don't understand why they do this.
1: Janet Parker was the last person to dive smallpox. It was... It was 1978, (laughs) which you'll recognise is a year after it had been eradicated globally. Uh, Parker was a medical photographer at the Birmingham University Medical School in England, and she just so happened to have the misfortune to work one floor above uh, the microbiology department where smallpox research was being conducted. She became ill on August 11th and developed a rash on August 15th, but was not diagnosed with smallpox until nine days later. She died on September the 11th, 1978.
0: That's, that's why we always remember that date.
1: It is. As, as the day the last smallpox victim died. Yeah, Janet. Mm. Yeah. And everybody on that day takes a minute to remember Janet Parker. And nothing else. The World Health Organization declared the disease eradicated. I thought you were really angry at 9-11. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. So the World Health Organization declared the disease eradicated, but for super duper good this time properly done this time yeah, yeah. in 1980 smallpox has now caused no deaths worldwide for over 40 years
0: who's gonna re- what super villain is gonna release it from No it's, it's
1: all good it's because not, it's there so are well. only two labs in the world who are allowed to hold samples of smallpox one of these is in america and the other one is in russia so that's perfectly fine there's no issues that might arise from that particular set of events. I agree. circumstances. Uh, Oh, this is
0: going to be some weird...
1: So just before Edward Jenner died, he confided to a friend that, and I quote, smallpox sucks, I am not surprised that men are not grateful to me, but I wonder that they are not grateful to God for the good which he has made me the instrument of conveying to my fellow creatures. So even upon his death, well, not upon his deathbed because he died of a massive stroke, but towards the end of his life, he was still being completely one hundred percent humble about the entire thing, yeah. and that he was just the lucky guy who figured something out that could help his fellow men. He was, from start to finish, an upstanding young balloon enthusiastic gent, a village doctor who made the intellectual leap to say to develop a process that saved countless millions of lives, and he never sought to make a profit from his discovery. He yeah. was gifted money, but he yeah. never asked for it. Could you imagine if he had lived today and he was a proper capitalist about the entire thing? Oh, yeah. <laughs> if he was somebody who was out to get theirs, well, it's what happened. that would be it's, worth?
0: It's happened with the cure for cancer, hasn't it? I didn't know there was a cure for cancer. Yes, they've had it for 20 years.
1: Bill Gates has it, locked <laughs> up, along with the microchips he's going to put in everyone.
0: Yeah, it's, just a, it's like a taste of cowpole. So we'll get that.
1: Yeah, you're fine. Oh dear, but yeah, that's yeah, Edward. It
0: just you, just stop eating sugar.
1: That's Edward Jenner. That's the man who is credited with vaccination.
0: Yeah,
1: and how great, how how happy he will be that in this day and age, you know, after all the good it's done, people have the freedom to discredit it and to say that it's terrible, mm. and to believe disgraced British former GPs. Who performed unwarranted medical experiments on autistic children over years and years of medical knowledge and research? He'd be he'd be loving that idea. I'm Stop sure. being so
0: sarcastic, Joe.
1: I'm not being sarcastic. I don't but... think
0: you know any other functions. <laughs>